Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Yourself? Oh, I've been doing, man, that's the first time you've ever asked about me. I appreciate that. And that's the hundredth time you've said that, but okay. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> touche. Um, this episode of Locked On Bama is, of course, as always, brought to you by one of our fantastic sponsors. This time it's Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Go check them out ASAP. I'll tell you a little more about them later on. Jimmy, um, we're going to bounce around a little bit. And, you know, I'm trying to work out uh, either an interview with the Locked On Dolphins guys about Tua or the Locked On Balls guys about the game. And uh, it's just tough coordinating schedules sometimes. So we haven't been able to get the Balls guys on. There's a pandemic. There's a pandemic. There is a pandemic going on. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I shouldn't forget it, but I keep forgetting that. Um, So what we'll do today, we'll bounce around a little bit. And then we will let's go ahead and give our predictions for this weekend uh, in this episode. And then tomorrow, hopefully, we'll either have either one or both of the Dolphins or Vols guys on to discuss those games. So I do want to bounce around here at the first. First of all, I found out, uh, you know, obviously we all found out that um, Alex Chiku is out for the year. Uh, One of the Alabama's prize basketball recruits, he tore his Achilles. I can tell you from personal experience, that's no fun. However, I got a little bit of information on that, and I I know that it seems like the Alabama basketball program is cursed because he is highly regarded. I will say this. I think it's um, fair to say that even though he is immensely talented and he's going to be very good, I don't think it's as catastrophic as some people made it out to be at the very beginning. I don't think he was going to – uh, have as much of a contribution this particular year. So maybe this will give him a chance to get a little bit uh, more physically and mentally prepared for the rigors of an SEC basketball season, considering he is an early enrollee in the sense that he didn't even play his senior year of basketball. That's right. I, I would say the football equivalent is, um, I mean, on the, on the plus side here, the football equivalent, remember when we signed DJ Fluker, out of high out of high school. Imagine oh, yeah. if uh, imagine if Fluker not tearing his Achilles, but imagine after we sign Fluker and he shows up, and we're like, you know, when DJ Fluker showed up, he just wasn't ready to play. He he needed a long time to get into proper playing condition to develop. He redshirted, and then you know, two years later, you know, he's a top top eleven pick in the NFL draft. I, I think Chiku's gonna be a lot like him. I mean, I, I think a redshirt year, sort of something that probably help him, you know, in the long term, and, and it isn't negative. So I don't think this affects Alex Chiku very much. If anything, it's just almost a blessing in disguise for him. It definitely hurts Alabama, though. I mean, in this one sense, we once again don't have thirteen. Now we've got twelve, yeah. and COVID. Now, uh, there's been rumors that several of our players have already had COVID, so we don't have to worry about that so much anymore. But in this COVID year, you know, we're, we're shorthanded all the time anyway. Then, then factor in what happens when, you know, four of our guys get COVID. So each guy you take off the roster feels like you get flimsier and flimsier with the depth. So I, I think in terms of affecting Alabama's depth, it's a blow, but – the best Alex Chiku we're going to see is probably in year three. Certainly wasn't going to be in year one. No, I think that's that's really a good point. Um, meanwhile, 
speaking of untapped potential, uh, Ismail Soapshire has entered the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, hey, look, he was a five-star. I never want to lose guys. I wish him well. I wish him the best. I, I really mean that. However, let's also call a spade a spade here. He was not contributing, and two freshmen played above him against Georgia. That should tell us something. I'm sure it told him something. No, yeah. I mean, the odds that it's just a coincidence that he's choosing this week to hop in the portal four days after two true freshmen played in the game ahead of him, uh, I'm sure that him or his people had seen enough at that point, and they're going to go someplace else where he can play 60 snaps a game and be an All-American. Um, you know, it's just frustrating a little bit, just like we talked about with Fluker and Chiku. It's, it's, it's a great subject because here's another kid who was a project. And, you know, you say project and, and people get turned off by that. Well, DJ Fluker was a project. And look how that turned out. It turned out great for him. Turned out great for Alabama. Right now it's turning out great for the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, uh, Sopshire was going to be a project. It was going to take a while to not only – you had to break down his body, build it back up, build up his functional strength, get rid of bad weight, teach him how to play. See, one thing about when you're that size playing high school football, you develop all these bad habits technique-wise because you don't need technique to dominate high school football at 380 pounds. You just roll out there and knock kids down. But at this level – it takes a lot of technique. I mean, and, and, and again, rebuilding his body. This was never going to be a one-year project. It was probably two years. I, I'm not going to be surprised at all if he picks the right program, if Sopcher's a good player in about two years. I won't be surprised at all. I don't think Alabama will be surprised. But the fact of the matter is you can't give playing time to everybody on the roster. We have games to win. And thankfully, Nick Saban is not the type, not that there are many, but there, he's not the type. Like I said, this is an extreme example. But you can't be held hostage to your backup players wanting to play more. If Bryce Young's dad uh, calls Nick Saban this week and says, Bryce is playing half the game against Tennessee or we're leaving, there's only one answer to that. Bye. <laughs> you, you can't be held hostage to the backup players wanting to play more. And now that the NCAA – uh, and their wise judgment is is basically ushering in this era of free agency that allows players just to move along. Hey, this is the tip of the iceberg. Sopcher's the tip of the iceberg. This is the new normal. The backups get frustrated, they leave. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we've already seen it from other schools too. It's not like Alabama's alone here. And um, I don't think it's going to – that comes as a big surprise to anybody. In fact, I I think some people are like, was he still on the roster? And not not taking a shot at the kid. I'm just saying that, you know, at, at Nick Saban's Alabama, if you don't get in there and start playing pretty early, people forget about you pretty quickly. I mean, that's just the cutthroat way of the business right now. Um, Jimmy, you know, this can all be stressful, though. Talking about kids eating, entering the transfer portal, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so if you're stressed out, get grab yourself a Coors Light and just chill out man that's that's what it's made for everything is go 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 these days it's non-stop hustle and bustle you know what you need to just have a break Coors Light made to chill so you want to have a refreshing nice Coors Light I had several of them during the Georgia game they were absolutely delicious every single time watching football is therapeutic so is drinking Coors Light 
and you need to check them out. You can go to CoorsLight.com to check them out. It's what I choose when I want to unwind and when you want to hit the reset button. Again, Coors Light is made to chill. Go check them out at CoorsLight.com. Also want to tell everybody about RockAuto.com. Rock Auto, all the parts your car will ever need, Rock Auto. You know, you've seen the, heard the jingle, you've seen the commercial with the cute little cartoons. Rock Auto. There you go. Thank you, Jimmy. You need, um, if you need a timing belt, if you need a rear view mirror, if you need fuzzy dice, if you need a chassis, fuzzy dice, get extra fuzzy dice. Um, If you need a chassis, if you need a, um, what was that, uh, rust proofing, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to think of any car term I know of, which I don't know much about cars, but if I did know about cars, I would go to rockauto.com. And even though I don't know about cars, I go to rockauto.com because they've got all the parts your car will ever need at the absolute lowest prices. Spark plugs. That's a car thing. Spark plugs. There you go. Oh, I'll tell you what they got. They got batteries. I mean, I I need a new battery this weekend. So, um, Anyway, go to rockauto.com and check them out ASAP. Uh, You can tell them that you heard about it from Locked On, and you will uh, be happy that you did because you will get a discount. rockauto.com. Okay, Jimmy. um, Let's get on into predictions of other SEC games. Uh, You know, maybe we can can do Alabama in the third segment, Alabama-Tennessee in the third segment. Uh, first of all, they're not. It's not a huge slate of SEC games this weekend, but you've got Auburn and Ole Miss facing off. I like Ole Miss in this game, um, and you know, I, the, the, the old the old Jimmy would have focused on the fact that Auburn is better defensively. There, there's no question, Auburn's better defensively, but. In this new age, this offensive age, uh, I can't get around the fact that I just don't see how Auburn can score with Ole Miss. I think if Ole Miss hangs anywhere near the offense they did against Alabama, uh, Auburn's totally hosed. And I doubt they'll do that because I think defensively to this point, Auburn might be a little bit better than Alabama, to be honest. But it's still going to require Auburn scoring in the high 20s probably the 30s to win the game. I don't think Auburn could do it. Uh, I, I think their offense is a bit of a dysfunctional mess, and that's a evergreen thing to say in the past six or eight years. Uh, I think Ole Miss scores. They score quite a bit. Auburn can't keep up, and uh, I like Ole Miss to win this game at home. Okay. I did not see that coming. Um, there you go. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick Auburn because I really believe – I mean, Gus Malzahn can't be crazy enough to not run the ball in this game. He just can't be. I mean, you can't do that. He's got to run the ball. He's got to run the ball with Tank Bigsby, who has been a really, really good player. Let's not give him the Heisman just yet, but let's also say he has been very, very good. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He's going to be a thing in the SEC. I, I wholeheartedly admit that. Um, he's a tough, tough runner. Um He's got a little Najee Harris and Cadillac Williams in him to me. But I think that's what Auburn's going to do is run the ball and run the ball early and often. The only reason that I believe you could be right is if Gus Malzahn is crazy enough to just, uh, uh, you know, to just pass the ball, try to get Knicks going, or um, just just get away from the run game at all. I just – if he does not run the ball all the time against Ole Miss, he's, he's nuts. 
Uh, Kentucky rolled up 408 yards of rushing. I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn rolled up the same. I'm going to say Auburn wins this by seven points. Um, now we've got, uh, oh my gosh, that really is sort of a dump truck weekend, isn't it? Kentucky and Missouri, I mean. Yeah, well, there needed to be a bunch of teams off the same weekend. This was going to be a COVID replacement weekend for eight teams. And then these, these I mean, uh, six teams, these eight teams playing this weekend, they get their COVID weekend in a couple weeks. The SEC had to do it this way and not spread out open weeks. They wanted a bunch of teams to have the same open weeks so games could be rescheduled. Uh, if you got fortunate enough. So uh, that's why it's kind of a weird weekend. Which game are you going to next? Do you say Kentucky, Missouri? Yeah, Kentucky, Missouri. Here's another. I'm, I'm going to surprise you again. I, I like the home team, Missouri, to win this game. I, I know Kentucky's playing well. Uh, I think Kentucky's been one of the – I wouldn't even say surprises. I think when Kentucky does well uh, the last two or three seasons, we shouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, and, and it's not because – they are all of a sudden good at a smoke and mirror show. They got good players. They got a bunch of good players. Mark Stoops has done an incredible job of finding three stars, coaching them into four stars, uh, because dude per dude, they're as good as anybody in this league that's not named, you know, Alabama or Georgia or maybe Florida or A&M. I, th- I think they're right there in contention for the fifth SEC. But – when you're not those elite teams and you're just pretty good and you go on the road, you find the going pretty tough. Connor Basilek has kind of taken over a quarterback at Missouri. He's been very impressive. Uh, Missouri plays hard. They got good athletes. I think this might be a bit of a market correction for Kentucky, who's, who's good, but probably not quite as good as they looked against Tennessee a week ago. I think Kentucky comes down to earth a little bit. Missouri wins in an exciting squeaker that comes down to the end. I I like Missouri here, 27-24. We should be keeping track of this every week because I'm going to go against you again. I think Kentucky has the second-best defense in the league right now, and I don't think it's that close. I think Mm -hmm. it's Georgia, small gap, Kentucky, then probably a big gap to whoever has the next-best defense. I want to say it's Alabama just based on talent, but they haven't played that way except for one half against Georgia. So um, I'm going to say Kentucky wins this game. Uh, I do like Connor Bazelak. I, I thought he played well against LSU, but everybody's playing well against LSU right now. Uh, Mississippi State beat LSU, and they look like uh, a flaming uh, dumpster right now. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kentucky to win that game. And then finally, maybe the most interesting game is uh, South Carolina at LSU. And I say it's interesting because, you know, have you seen the latest picture of Ed Orgeron, like lying in bed with some um, – young blonde i have um i look I, i'm i'm all for it i mean more power to you he's divorced do what you want to do bro but um it seems like his focus is less about 60 minutes of football more about six minutes of fun <laughs> <laughs> he's just i think it's fair to wonder if he might be distracted by a couple of things I think that might be fair, but uh, here's how I think. And, and, and once again, sticking with the theme, I got a theme uh, this weekend, and that's the uh, the underdog getting points here. I, I like South Carolina to win this game, uh, two or three reasons, and I think Orgeron being distracted is, is a fair reason to, to, to put on the list. But I primarily like South Carolina because Miles Brennan is out. LSU's going to have to start a true freshman, not because the true freshman played so well in practice you can't keep him off the field, 
but because you're thrust into duty because the regular starter is not available. So either Max Johnson or TJ Finley will be playing in this game before they're ready. Uh, so that's another problem for LSU. LSU's not been good on defense. South Carolina's quarterback is a real capable guy, Colin Hill. They have a, uh, an exciting outside receiver in Shai Smith. They have a productive running back in Kevin Harris. I, I think South Carolina wins the game, and in my mind, it's not really an upset. This, this is how I see the league right now, and, and this could change by next week's show. But I think Alabama's the best team in the SEC with Georgia just right behind them. Then I think there's a gap. And then I think it's Texas A&M and Florida. They're the third and fourth best teams. A&M beat Florida head-to-head. So let's say A&M is just barely ahead of Florida. Then there's another gap. And then it's the fifth best team, whoever the hell that is. I have no clue. I think five through 13 are all basically the same team. I think any five through 13 Anyone can beat anyone. No one should be heavily favored against the other. A lot of it, who's playing at home and who's not, who's missing a player, who's not. 5-13 to 13 to me is just a mad scramble. And LSU and South Carolina are in that 5-13. through 13. I, I don't think any, any game between those teams in that group is an upset. It's not to me. Now, 14, distant 14 is Vanderbilt, who's really bad, even for Vanderbilt. I mean, they're, they're not in that, that, that discussion at all. They're just going to lose every game. But 5 through 13, whew, that's where some, some, some really good, exciting games will be because those, those teams are so evenly matched to me. But I like South Carolina. They have a little more momentum. LSU's missing one of their best players in Miles Brennan. I think South Carolina pulls it out. So I, I, I picked all, all underdogs to outright win games Saturday. <clears throat> I like that. Uh, well, not – yeah, okay. I like that. I, I like South Carolina to win too. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think you know, Miles Brennan being out is going to be a factor, obviously. Um, and I think this, you know, South Carolina is coming in on a bit of a high, and they they're not bad. I mean, I, I know Auburn people are killing Gus Malzahn for losing to them, and they they probably should. Auburn's better in South Carolina, but uh, South Carolina is not so bad that it's just unheard of that they that they beat Auburn. And so I, I definitely think they can go in and, and beat LSU. All right, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to give uh, Alabama, Tennessee predictions. All right. So Jimmy, Alabama, Tennessee rant on my brother. Well, uh, this is where my prediction of uh, underdogs winning games comes to an end. I think Alabama wins the game. I, I do have some concern uh, if you, you know, in terms of, Okay, Alabama's coming off this huge win. It's it's easy to expect an emotional letdown that jives up with Tennessee coming off an embarrassing performance and now having a golden opportunity to uh, to to delete that embarrassing performance forever. Uh, so I, I'm I, I'm concerned for that Alabama coming in with with a very high potential for a letdown. Tennessee coming in looking for an opportunity to delete their recent past. So that makes me nervous. Another thing is a little bit of the matchup. And and it's the number one thing that concerns me about Alabama's defense, even more so than the safety position, is that, you know, in the old days, and I'll say that, you know, like 2008 through 2017, the thought that you could just hand the ball to your running back and make, make up some ground, you know, 
capture some real estate against Alabama's defense between the tackles and the run game, teams used, used to not even try. Even if they were good at it, even if a team's like, hey, this is what we do. We're a power team. We run between the tackles. Not against Alabama, you don't. You didn't even try. You were wasting your time. You were wasting a snap. Now, for whatever reason that there is, teams seem to be having success doing that. And Tennessee is one of the better teams in the league at lining up and running the ball. They got two really good backs. They have a premier offensive line. They have five NFL offensive linemen up front. And while the quarterback isn't capable, he's certainly capable of taking the snap and handing the ball off. I, I think Tennessee, uh, to some extent, can control the clock, to some extent can move the ball, and to some extent can shorten the game, which is really going to help them. Now, the reason Alabama is going to win and, and win comfortably is firepower. Uh, Alabama uh, will score quickly. Tennessee defensively is pretty good, but not great. There is no reason to believe Alabama won't score as many points against Tennessee as they did against Georgia, even if there is a letdown. I think Alabama does have a letdown, and it's in the first half, and Tennessee does have success running the ball in the first half, and Alabama leads only 21-14 to 14 at the half. But in a repeat of last week, Alabama scores three more touchdowns in the second half while shutting out Tennessee and this 42-14 to 14 win, it will be forgotten that for 30 minutes it was a bit of a battle. Uh, an improving Tennessee team, a Tennessee program that's getting better one step at a time, still not anywhere near Alabama's level. Alabama's win streak extends to 14 years, 42-14 over Tennessee. It really is, The streak really is amazing. Um, it, it's just unbelievable uh, to think that um, – I have a 13-year-old daughter who doesn't know what it's like to lose to Tennessee at all. Um, now, <clears throat> you said a bunch of positive things about Tennessee, and I agree. Uh, they do have a nice running game. They do have a strong offensive line. There's no doubt about it. they got a couple of guys that are going to be uh, first-round NFL picks uh, at one point. However, they have a quarterback who apparently couldn't hit Kim Kardashian in the ass with a boat paddle. So, um <laughs> Uh, he he threw two. Was that pizzas. on that Ray J tape? He, <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Like, <laughs> hey, baby, what are you into? Could you slap my ass with a boat? Boat paddles. paddles. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um. So, anyway, um, I, I just feel like there's a lot of turmoil over there right now, uh, by the fact that they uh they just fired Jimmy Brumbaugh, who was the defensive line coach, who uh, you know four games into his Tennessee tenure. I mean, was he that bad? I mean, he must, he and Jeremy must've gotten into it is the only reasonable explanation. And given that, I feel like it just means that there's a lot of unsettled uh, turmoil in that. Well, I guess if all turmoil is unsettled, well, that's redundant, but uh, there's a lot of turmoil in that locker room. And I feel like, um, you know, you're right. Alabama could have a letdown. I think it could be something like a 21-10 halftime score, 24-14, something like that, uh, Alabama on top. But I'm with you on the fact that I think Alabama eventually just takes over. They're just they're just a lot better. Um, and I, with all due respect to all things Tennessee, I wish that uh, – I, I kind of wish the, the rivalry were good again, but it's not good. And um, Alabama owns it. I think they will continue to own it. I think Alabama wins something in the neighborhood of 48 to, to 20. 
I'll take it. You know, one bad uh, thing about Jarrett Garantano, uh, much like when Alabama played Kellen Bond earlier this year, here's a kid who has started and or played uh, in the game at quarterback against us for four years. He's been a four-year uh, starter or part-time starter, uh, so four years of playing. And when you're a senior and you're halfway through your senior year and there's still talk that maybe you should be benched in favor of the freshman that hasn't played yet, you are one inconsistent joker. And well, uh, hey, Yeah. Let me ask you this. I thought last year that he didn't play. Wasn't it the other kid? No, Garantano played. Uh, they started, didn't they start Maurer against us? Maurer, and then yeah. uh, Maurer came Maurer. out. Yeah, and then Maurer came out and Garantano played the rest of the game. Garantano's the one that kind of bought him back. Garantano sort of won the job back for Maurer uh, in the Alabama game and then started the rest of the year. That's uh, right. He's had but moments. He, he, Garantano's yeah, he's the one who called his own number, right, on the, on yep. the fumble on the goal line. Classic. Classic Jarrett as they would say up there. Uh, but there's two sides to it. On the one hand, you're like, how are you the quarterback for four years and they're still talking about benching you in favor of freshmen? But on the other hand, he's starting for four years because every now and then it's pretty good. Every yeah. now and then it's pretty good. Or we still wouldn't be talking about him four years later. So, you know, is Alabama going to see the good Garantano or the bad one? Now, I think it's a lot like Kellen Mond with the difference being Mond's a higher upside guy. So when Mond is good, he's really good. Uh, when Garantano's good, he's just, you know, good enough to win the game. But uh, not this weekend. Alabama's just got too much, too much firepower, uh, too much ability to score quickly. Tennessee doesn't really have that. Uh, though, if they get the right matchup in the middle of the field, Alabama's defense can give up anything to anybody. Yeah, and, I mean, you hope that he doesn't have his uh, Steven Garcia coming out party. Um, I mean, Steven Garcia is known for one thing, having – well, two things, having great hair and uh, beating Alabama in 2010. So, yeah. Um, all right, Jimmy, well, those are our predictions. We hope to have either Locked On Vols or Locked On Dolphins or some combination or Joel Shad or somebody on with us uh, to talk about Tua and to talk about the Vols for tomorrow's episode. But if we don't have them, Jimmy and I will be here to bring you all the fun and frivolity that we always do. And Kool-Aid commits on Sunday, probably to the good guys. Yeah, I was we'll talking about I, that I was too. for tomorrow, man. Why are you blowing tomorrow's show already? <laughs> it was a teaser. It's what us in the entertainment industry, we call those teasers. Uh, all right, buddy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.